So, we started a series a couple weeks ago. We're going to continue on it today. Uh, calling, I'm calling Pursue Passion. And what the idea of this whole series and what I've been trying to do is take this idea, this definition we've had of passion, which is this strong, barely controllable emotion, and how do we have that in this relationship with Jesus? How do we have a passionate relationship with Jesus where it's not just something we go through the motions every week, or yes, I believe in this, and that's where I'm stopping. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to invest in it. Yes, I'm a Christian. How do we get past this to where on a daily basis you may not be uh, so excited like you are coming out of like a retreat or a conference, but in your heart it's a heart posture of I want to please serve and invest in this relationship. That I have a passionate heart in this relationship with Jesus. So how do we do that? So we've looked at maybe what happened to your passion. Maybe you've lost your first love. And last week we looked at what kills your passion, and that's sin. And this week we're going to look at what does passion even look like? If we're going to talk about it, maybe what does passion look like? And so when I was in high school, one of the biggest things we liked to do with uh, my group of guys is we weren't like extreme video game people, but we did like to play video games when they would come over. And so our game we loved playing because we weren't always um, – into like a bunch of different games. We were sports guys, so we loved playing NBA 2K. NBA 2K was our game. I had 2K, I think it was 12. So it was like really old from where we were at, but I just, we, that's the game we played. And what, I always played this guy, my buddy, his name was Connor, and Connor and I usually played pretty neck and neck every game. We were pretty close. It didn't matter who I played and who he played. We are usually pretty close, and so I remember he starts the game with one team, I can't remember who it was, and the whole first half, he blows me out of the water by like 25 points. I'm losing by 25 points, and I'm like, this is not good. And so, like any game in sports, it's like, don't give up till the end, and so we start the second half. Then we finish the third quarter, and I'm like 10 points behind. Then we're down to the last minute, and I'm like five points behind. We're in the last three seconds of the game, and I'm one point behind. One point behind, I get the rebound, call a timeout, and you know, probably, uh, maybe, I don't know if girls do this when they play video games or whatever they do, but we got a bunch of guys in there, and we're, you know, we get up, and we start running around like this in the room, and it's getting intense, and we're like, all right, here we go, guys, and I'm like, all I got to do is I just got to pass the ball in and shoot quickly, and hopefully it goes in and I can win, and I got my buddy over here in the corner, and he's laughing the whole time as he's videotaping us all as we're doing this, and I'm like, why are you videotaping? This is just a game but I was actually glad he did. I almost asked him for the video to see if he still had it so I could show you, but... Um, so we're sitting there, and I'm like, okay. So we're all standing up. I can't sit down when stuff gets intense. Doesn't matter if it's a video game. Doesn't matter anything. A TV show, I gotta stand up. And so I'm standing up, and I'm like this far from the TV. Sitting there like this, watching the TV. I'm like, all right, here we go, here we go. And he's like standing up too. And so I pass the ball in, and I, I'm in the corner, pass it to my guy, shoot the three, and it's like, you just know coming off that shot, it's like, this is going in. It's going in. And so it, the buzzer goes, and the ball goes in, and it's just eruption in my room. And we got this tiny room. I was in the, we had a basement room, and so it was like, if you walled off that, that classroom and like cut the classroom in half, that was our room. And so we're like running around. I think our, our doors were those very, very thin doors that are probably like, I don't know, 50 bucks. There's nothing in between them. It's just two pieces of wood. 
Um, and so we would always punch holes through them because we had a Nerf hoop on top of it. And so it would always get damaged from us like jumping and dunking and all this. So I like went over and punched a hole straight through the door. And it's just like we're going nuts down there. It's like, Taylor, it's a game. Like, who cares whether you win or lose? But there was something about this game that made me passionate about what I was doing. If I didn't care about it, if I didn't have this passion for the game, it was like, oh, great, I won. Look at that, I came back from 20 points, hit the game winner, it's over. But there was this, this kind of energy within the room because we were all so passionate. We had this strong, barely controllable emotion for a game that didn't even matter. And how often does it seem like when it comes to our passion, we can get so passionate about things that don't matter, but when it comes to Jesus, we're not doing stuff like that for Jesus. We're not running around so excited that we have a creator, creator and a savior who loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us, but we'll just pray and we'll go to church. And we're like, okay, there's another week down. Like, why can I get so excited over a game? Why can I get so passionate going to a Friday night football game for the high school or, or going to a volleyball game or watching golf, whatever it is? How can I get so into it? But then Jesus, it's like, yeah. Where's our passion? That's what I really want to drive at. Is not that I, 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 I just want to talk about something to get you passionate it's like once you understand who you're in a relationship with you should be passionate on a daily basis we want to take this relationship try to zone it in and say okay how do we have passion for a creator and savior who didn't even need to save us but willingly did because he loved us and he wants your full attention. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that you're the most important thing to him? And sometimes I don't think we can get that in our heads because we think in terms of our relationships here. And it's like, well, if I love Shannon and she's my wife, I can't split my love between a bunch of different people. She gets my full attention. She gets my full love because she's my wife. And God has that full attention all the time to everyone that's in a relationship with him. And that's hard to comprehend, but that's the kind of passion that should stir in us, that we have a God that loves us. We have a God that forgives us. We have a God that's created us in his image. So if I were to ask you right now, do you, do you have a passionate relationship? If you were saying, okay, one to 10, 10 being I am on fire, I'm so passionate about this relationship. One being, no, where would you put your relationship right now? Where would, you, where would you put yourself on the scale in this relationship? Does Jesus mean the world to you? Or is it just another relationship? Is it just another thing to do on a Sunday morning? And on Monday, the switch is off. You walk into school and Jesus is whatever. I hope... As we look at a story here in Matthew chapter 13, you'll see through this parable that Jesus is telling what passion should look like. What passion should look like in your own life. And so, I want to take you uh, to a passage. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there. If not, um, you can look up here on the screen in Matthew chapter 13. It's just one verse. 
But Matthew chapter 13 talks about Jesus is in the midst of all these parables that I call, I don't know if that's what they're called, but I call them basically like the kingdom parables. He keeps saying the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And so he's sharing all these parables. And in the midst of this, um, he just gets off in the, the chapter or the section above explaining one of the parables to his disciples because they're like, I don't understand. And so then he goes right into this one verse that if you want to call it a parable, I mean, it's one verse, so it's not super big. But this is what he says then. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Okay, so understand here just for a second where we're thrown into is he's talking about this kingdom of of heaven. And you're like, okay, Taylor, I need to understand maybe first before I understand the parable, what does he mean by the kingdom of heaven? So I was looking this up a little bit just so I had a full understanding. And um, some of you may know the name John Piper. I was looking at some of his stuff. And this is what he says um, to help maybe give you some context of what this kingdom of heaven means. And he says, we can treat the kingdom of heaven here almost synonymously with salvation or with reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. Okay, so so get this in your head. Let me read it again so you can can hear it, and I'll, I'll break it down a little bit. We can treat the kingdom of heaven here almost synonymously with salvation or with reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. So you're like, Taylor, what are all these big words? Basically, what John Piper is saying is we can treat this kingdom of heaven through what Jesus did on the cross to reconcile us back to God, or in the midst of everything, what this relationship is. The whole reason we enter into this relationship is because, let me take you on a little journey, back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates man. You've probably heard this, but he creates man. Everything's great, perfect unity. Chapter 3, sin enters the world. From that moment on, there's not this unity like there was in the Garden of Eden before sin. So from that moment now, all the way till Jesus is born, there's nothing. We had to offer these sacrifices to atone for our sin, and then Jesus comes down in the flesh, born. And then he lives his life, does his ministry, and then when he, um, 33 years old, goes and dies on a cross so he could be the ultimate sacrifice, that no longer do we have to sacrifice these animals to atone for our sins, but he will carry the weight of sin on his back for all eternity, for everything you've done, and die on a cross. Now, when we realize we're sinful and separated, that when we're born, sin separates us from God, when we realize what he did to be that ultimate atonement, we enter into this relationship. We say, God, I'm a sinner. I fall short. I recognize what you've done for me. Please come into my life, and you enter into this relationship. So what John Piper is talking about is he's saying that this kingdom of heaven is all that Christ did on the cross. What salvation is, is he was that atonement on the cross for us so we could be connected again. Or if you maybe want to simplify a little bit, it's this relationship. It's the whole reason we get into the relationship. It's the whole reason we walk with Jesus is because we realize we can't measure up. And we need somebody who can. And so we say, I want to enter into a relationship with you. So that's what he's talking about here. So if we put that into context a little bit, and we we just kind of talk about this passion we've been talking about, 
This is what passion should look like when you're in this relationship. Take out the kingdom of heaven maybe for a second and talk about salvation. Let's just put that in there because he uses that word. That's what Jesus did on a cross. It's called salvation. The salvation or salvation is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Do you see your salvation as a treasure? I don't think sometimes we like to put ourselves in the position where we are worse than we actually are. And this isn't to beat you down and say you're a terrible person, but before we enter into this relationship, we're sinful and broken. We have no reason to be in this relationship. But God, out of His love for you, wanted you. And so that's why He died on a cross. And so when we realize we can't measure up, we say, man, I have somebody that loves me and forgives me. I want to enter into this relationship. That's such a treasure to me. If I look at my life and I look at the sin that I've produced in my life, it's not good. The decisions I make, they're not good. But I have a Savior who continues to forgive me. It's a treasure to me, this relationship. Do you see this? Salvation, this relationship, the work that Jesus did on the cross as a treasure that's hidden in a field. To understand maybe the parable a little bit, when you found a treasure like this back in the day, uh, you had to bury it and buy the land, or if it was discovered, the person that owned the land got the treasure. That's why if you're like, why did he bury it? Why didn't he just take the treasure? Because if you were in that time, if I go and Shannon has a field, and I go and I get... I find some treasure on her field, but I don't want her to know about it. I go and I bury it, and then I ask her to purchase the land, and then I purchase the land, and I get all the stuff that's in the land because it's considered, when it's buried, it's considered in the land. But have you ever found something you're just so excited about? Or maybe on a Christmas morning you get a present you wanted so bad, and it's just so exciting when you open that present and you find it, and you're like, I remember one year for us it was like, when the Wii started to be big. I don't know when that was, however long ago, and we were like, man, we'd love to get a Wii, but there's no way my parents got it. And opening it up on a, a Christmas morning, and there it is, the Nintendo Wii. Oh, no, that's not. And it was great. And it was like there was so much excitement and joy. It's like we've, we've gotten this treasure on a Christmas morning that maybe nobody else has gotten, but probably 50 other people have gotten on a Christmas morning. And it was so exciting. Would I sell everything for it? No. I wouldn't sell my entire house just to get a week. But this guy finds a treasure, this salvation. That's what this relationship is about. And because it means so much to him, he goes and sells everything he has. Everything. So that he can purchase the land because it's that important to him. He's so passionate about this treasure. It means everything to him. Would you be willing to sell everything for Jesus? This is not a message on trying to get you to get rid of everything in your life, but does Jesus mean that much to you that you're willing to give everything up? Everything, if that's what it took, because it's so important to you. He sells everything so he can buy the treasure and it becomes his. But I think in order for you to want to sell everything, you have to see it as a treasure. Because if it's not a treasure to you, you're not going to give your life to it. If it's not important to you, 
you're not going to give your life to it. If he just saw it as another rock, I don't know what the treasure was, but say it was a, a gem. If he saw it as another rock, he's not going to sell everything he has. But there's something, there's value in what he found that he's willing to give his life over to it. Do you see this relationship as valuable that you're willing to give your life over to it? If you want to talk about passion, it's maybe not being as extreme that you go home and you sell everything, but are you passionate enough to realize that this is the most valuable thing we could have, salvation? And that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this relationship seem so important and be important and be my entire life that if it came to this that I had to sell everything, if it came to a moment where I'm pinned in a corner and I have to pick between this valuable thing, this relationship, or something else, I'm always going to pick this. That to me, just in what he does, because he's willing to take it that far, is the passion that I'm talking about. It's not that he's, I mean, he's excited. Yes, it says in his excitement. But it's because he had a heart posture that said, this means everything to me. That I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he goes out and sells it. Let's just set your relationship here with Jesus. Set it on the table and I'm sitting face to face with you at the table. And I said, okay, here's what I got. Take the most valuable thing in your life. For everybody, it's different. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your pets. Maybe it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your Xbox, whatever it is. We're sitting there at the table, and I say, okay, you have the relationship with Jesus, or you have this, but you have to choose one. What are you going to do? Is Jesus that valuable to you? That is not even a question. And I know every moment, and these are extreme examples, it's like, okay, Taylor, are we ever going to have to be in that situation? Probably not. But I just desperately desire, both in my life and for all of you, that Jesus is so important that if I had to sell everything, if I had to choose, if I had to turn my back so that I could follow Jesus, I'm willing to. That's passion. That's an excitement or barely, or a strong or barely controllable emotion where you say, I don't care what faces me, I'm going to look right at it and say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. We need passionate believers in this culture, especially. Everybody runs off of emotion. It's just our culture. We want to run off of how we feel and make decisions off of how we feel, and that's for another time. But it wouldn't be wrong for us to kind of follow that trend in terms of our relationship with Jesus. I think sometimes, whether you want to believe it or not, there's perception out there from people that don't go to church about people that do go to church. They dress very nice. They're allowed to do certain things. They're not allowed to do certain things. They're always very sweet. They're socially awkward. It's just the reality. People think that people that go to church are socially awkward. I'm not saying you are or aren't. It's just that, I mean, there's so many different things you could put out there. Go ask somebody who doesn't go to church. They'll tell you exactly what they think of church people. Could we start to set a different trend as Christians 
who say, yes, this is what I believe and I'm not going to bend the rules, but I can be passionate about my relationship. I can live this out. I can show people that Jesus means everything and not look weird. But there also is the reality that we probably still will look weird. Because we're following something that other people don't accept. I challenge you, as you look at your relationship, do you see a passion like this? And this isn't a passion you can achieve overnight. Trust me, I'm not even there. But are you working towards in your relationship going, man, this is the most important thing. I gotta start taking some more things off that are killing my passion. Gotta take some more things out, killing my passion. And as I grow and I get more passionate, then I start to look everything in the face and say, nope, I'm not gonna do that because this is more important to me. I'm gonna live my life that shows everybody that Jesus is the most important thing. What does passion look like? It looks like Jesus being the most important treasure in your life. He's the most valuable thing in your life. And so, as I close, um, with all my coffee I spilled up here, um, let's just kind of play this out for example, a little bit, this parable, and then I'll be done. So let's say we go along, we go along, and I'm going to get behind Max here and he doesn't know, but I'm going along, and, and I find... Behind Max, as I'm looking around, I find this valuable treasure. I find this valuable treasure. And I'm like, wow, this is one of the... Max is like, where did you get that? Don't worry, I hit it beforehand. So I find this, I find this treasure. And I don't want anybody else to have it. Yes, this was only $5 on Amazon, but it's valuable. Okay, let's just pretend. So this is a diamond. It's so valuable to me. I would do anything for this dime. If all you start rushing at me, I'm running out the door or I'm opening that window and I'm running straight through because this thing means everything to me. This could change my life. This could be, you know, a billion dollars. I don't know that I could sell and get this money, whatever. There's value in this thing. And so in order for me to keep it at a valuable position or to keep it as a treasure in my life, I have to see that my entire life revolves around it. So if that's Max's couch because he was sitting on the couch, I gotta find a way if I discover this so he doesn't find it, and I gotta hide it so that I can buy the couch from him. I don't care if the couch costs a million dollars. I know that this is more valuable, so I'm gonna give him whatever it takes so that I can have the treasure in that couch. This is your relationship with Jesus. Are you willing to let your life revolve around? Are you willing to sell everything because the couch is that important to get the treasure that's in it? Or do you say, wow, that could change my life, but I have some really nice clothes. I got some really nice stuff. Jesus, I don't know if I want you going into this part of my life, so I'll follow you, but I'm not going to give my entire life to you. You need to see this relationship as so valuable and treasure it with everything so that when you are faced with anything, Jesus is automatically the most important and
and the most faithful you will be too. Jesus needs to be our passion. And what does it look like? Let your entire life see him as the most valuable thing and let your life revolve around him. Believe it or not, the world doesn't revolve around you. But it does revolve around Jesus. And so see your relationship as something so good and pursue passion to do anything to get it. So let me pray.